0: Thank you.
1: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give us a call, 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Uh, Well, today's episode is brought to you by the support of our listeners. Thank you so much for all your financial support. It's truly appreciated. Uh, now it's time for today's episode of Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. Uh, this one is called The Sneak Assassin. William Gargan stars
2: as Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator.
3: Here a guy called the deep type it might be more a matter of geography than mentality. How deep is his grave?
2: The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama, Mystery and Adventure, with America's number 1 detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry
3: Craig speaking. Work is where you find it. When the case of Harry Jarvis fell into my lap, I was 900 miles from home base, motoring south along the Florida Highway. My destination, Miami. I wanted to see how horses were treating men at the big winter track. My usual annual stopover, about 100 miles this side of Miami, was a motel. The Happy Traveler Motel, the big neon sign said. A 16 cabin set up, complete with hot showers and television. Run by two partners, Moe Birch and Harry Jarvis. I knew the two of them way back. They'd run a custom haberdashery in New York once, before going south to change their luck. Inside, I found Moe, but missed Harry. The last I seen Harry, he said goodbye. For keeps, Mo? Yeah. After you two being inseparable for 10 years, 12...
4: A business partnership's like a marriage. Sooner or later, it gets tired... The divorce.
3: Uh, one way of looking at it. Who saw it first? You or Harry? Harry? You heard the word faithful unto death? Who hasn't? That's me. I'm a sentimental slob, Craig. Uh, to change the subject, how's business? You saw my vacancy signs driving in? Yeah. Then tell yourself the answer. Business is lousy. I thought the Happy Traveler Motel was a going concern. It was until Harry demanded his half interest in cash. Oh. The books couldn't liquidate Harry's claim and still balance, huh? Harry put thirty thousand dollars in his pocket. There wasn't even enough left to pay the towel and linen service. So where do you go from here? I don't know. You loved Harry. We knew ups and downs. Times were tough, we shared a crust of bread. Times were good, we bought each other diamond stiff pins. Then what's really got you worried about Harry? Last spring, Harry married a cabaret girl,
4: a Kiki Adams. A singer in a roadhouse. I didn't know that. A homely shrimp like Harry, 44 years old, not a hair in his bald head, taking a young cabaret chicken for a wife.
3: 44 is the dangerous age for men, they say. A crack opens in your head.
4: Yeah, and other things, Craig. The people Harry began to go around with a bop musician, a hornblower with a crazy name, Bigelow Bernie. And a uh, gangster in the silk suit. Gangster
3: in the silk suit? Tony Saxon. They ran him out
4: of New York. They ran him out of Miami.
3: They ran Tony Saxon out of uh, San Francisco, Seattle, Nevada, and Dubuque.
4: Yeah.
3: It could only be my imagination, something out of my nervousness for Harry, but the last days before we dissolved partnership, to me, Harry had a frightened look, like... like he was... Scared for his life? Yeah. And another
4: strange thing... Yeah. He took his money and went. He had a bus ticket for Key West, he said. The bus at six o'clock that night. But I asked the driver the next day, Krogan, the driver, he stops over here to grab a bite and wash up. How did Harry look to him on the bus? I asked. But no, Harry. Crogan said Harry
3: never got on that bus. You find it mysterious?
4: What I find more mysterious is that Harry's wife, Kiki Adams, is still right here in town, in the same furnished apartment they rented last spring.
3: Maybe Harry ditched her.
4: Crazy the way he was over her? Impossible. Also, thinking from the angle of the wife, the cash opportunity she grabbed when she married the
3: poor fish, Harry. Harry's 30000 in cash. Exactly. I asked you, would Kiki let a gold mine slip away on a bus? Craig, I need some help. Well, I figured only to stay overnight. Stick around, Craig. Find Harry for me. All right, I'll stay a few days. Try to find out what did happen to him.
4: What cabin have I got? Cabin 4, the best. You get washed up, Craig. Then I'll boil your steak. Free. On the house.
3: Two and a half pounds of porterhouse steak later, with my stomach a foot in front of me, I went calling on Kiki Adams. 212 Elm Street. I had directions on me written out by Mo Birch. Drive east across the railroad tracks and north one quarter of a mile past the county jail. One quarter of a mile past the county jail, I stopped.
0: 212
3: Elm Street was a two-story frame building, sandwiched between an abandoned schoolhouse and a plumbing supply wholesaler. A big front door with isinglass slits on it and a brass knocker. I banged the knocker a little while, and then I tried the doorknob. I made less progress there. The doorknob came off in my hand. <laughs> A situation like that can become embarrassing. This one did.
4: All right, drop it, Sam. It. The doorknob, Sam. I saw you coming.
3: You misjudge me, friend.
4: I'm on the steps there, beating my feet. I got a cold eye on you, Sam. You're low down, jelly belly to the grass. Jelly belly. Hey, what kind of jive? Bigelow O'Burney, Sam, and don't scratch your violin at me.
3: Bigelow Bernie. I've heard about you. You're the bot musician. Hey, man who's been scatting scandal about Bigelow Bernie. Never mind who's been scatting. Look, I'm a detective. Harry Craig. I'm here to visit a lady, Mrs. Harry Jarvis.
4: Oh, Kiki, huh?
3: My eyes getting colder, Sam. Where can I find Kiki Adams? Mrs. Harry Jarvis. At the Downbeat. The Downbeat? That the club she works in? That is. Thanks. You go back to beating your feet. And while you're mooning over Blue Mama Kiki, keep one fact in mind, huh? Shoot me, Sam. Kiki is supposed to be another man's wife. Put that in your horn and blow it, music man. I caught up with Kiki a half hour before her cabaret act commenced. She was in her dressing room, doing back bed. Say, you're wasting calisthenics, lady. Strengthening your back muscles won't do a thing for your voice.
0: Uh, I'm off the singing bit, lover.
3: Oh?
0: Yeah. There's many canaries around. Every kid out of high school.
3: Now I see what you mean.
0: Oh, so I get trampled in the mob. So I worked out a specialty number.
3: Acrobatics, obviously.
0: Well, more than that. I do a back bin while tooting on the sacks. See it? Vividly. While in the back bin, there's a glass of bubbling champagne on the floor.
3: You get off the sacks and drink the champagne?
0: Without spilling the drop. Will that get me to Miami?
3: Unquestionably.
0: <sighs> oh, who'd you say you were, lover?
3: Barry Craig.
0: Sagittarius?
3: Sagittarius?
0: Y- your astrology sign.
3: Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Taurus the Bull, I think.
0: Taurus? Hmm. Will I do? Yeah. You can be favorable for me. Okay, lover, it's a date. After my 12 o'clock turn, whistle me over. A low, sweet whistle, lover. Now scram, huh, so I can practice?
3: I got to drive Kiki home after her 12 midnight turn was extended to uh upstairs.
0: Make yourself comfortable.
3: To do that, I'd have to take off my shoes.
0: Be my guest. Well, you like my home sweet home. Charming. Lala. The crummy dump.
3: It could use a coat of paint.
0: It could use a match.
3: I know the answer. What? Move.
0: (laughs) Eh, tell that to my husband.
3: I will. Where is he?
0: Harry's away on a trip. Oh. Lover. I want to set you straight. On? How you got here. Well, you invited me. To pass the time, socially. I'm a night owl, not a butterfly.
3: Have I made a pass, doll?
0: No, not yet.
3: So why the sermon?
0: <laughs> I got a canned speech I use on guys I pick up with.
3: All right, finish it.
0: I don't like talking to myself when I get home after the show. I tried being an introvert once. I don't like it. You're up here only for conversation, lover. In the canned speech. <laughs>
3: All right, if I made a speech now? Speak. <laughs> exactly where is Harry Jarvis?
0: Uh, Why should you care?
3: I'm worried about him.
0: Worried? You know my husband?
3: I do. Know him and like him.
0: Well, this is news.
3: You never asked me why I popped into your life.
0: No, I assumed you were just another child looking to get acquainted.
3: I looked you up on Harry's account. To put it simply, I'm a detective.
0: A detective? With Harry on your mind? Yes. Why? What's with Harry?
3: He isn't around.
0: I told you he's away on a trip.
3: You failed to say where.
0: Where? Well, I don't know.
3: Well, you're his wife.
0: Well, sure, but he didn't say where he was off to. I didn't even see him when he left. I was at the club. There was a note waiting for me when I got home that night.
3: Well, what did the note say?
0: Say, call away for a few days, something like that.
3: Well, when was this?
0: We, oui. no, eight days ago. Where's the note? i got rid of her. What reason do I have to save her?
3: Well, in these eight days, has Harry contacted you? No. And you didn't find that strange?
0: Uh, I guess I did a little, but... But? And uh, this
3: may shock you. I'm
0: shockproof. It was a relief with Harry away, so I didn't worry too much about his silence. You see, Harry's in his middle age. But you married him. Yeah, I did. Why? Why? <laughs> Search me! I ask myself.
3: I'm going to ask you a big question now. Get on record with an honest answer, and you'll thank yourself sometime.
0: What's the big question?
3: Did you know Harry had liquidated his half interest in the Happy Traveler Motel? That on or about eight days ago, Harry had thirty thousand dollars in cash on him.
0: Why well, he was selling out in the motel? I know he'd already done it. Uh... Without the case. Something happened to Harry?
3: Until I know better, I'm proceeding on that premise, Mrs. Jarvis. (laughs) I left Kiki to waste her fragrance on the four walls of the flat. Downstairs, I ran into a familiar figure. Back sitting on the next door schoolhouse steps, busy, quote, beating his time. The bop musician, Bigelow Bernie.
4: You're real low-down jelly belly to the grass, Sam.
3: (laughs) I don't rate the cold eye, Bernie. I I did nothing but converse with Kiki upstairs. It's still you and her husband in the field. I mean, if Passionflower upstairs still has a husband. Uh, What's your thought about that, Bernie? Harry will be home. Then uh, why do you sit outside here beating your time and mooning over Kiki? Another man's wife and no chance for yourself, you can see. I got an answer for you, Sam. I'm dying to hear it.
4: You see up there where I'm pointing, that flat under Kiki's? Yes. I live there, Sam. I'm beating my time down here because I live up there. Bernie. Yes, sir?
3: What if it turns out Harry Jarvis is never coming home to Kiki? He left her? Could be, no? Oh, never. Okay, so Kiki's one dish a man doesn't walk out on. But suppose Harry doesn't ever come home for a wholly different
4: reason. Man, only one reason would keep Harry from coming home. Okay, anticipate me. Go ahead. He'd have to be dead, Sam. Real gone. Sam, is that what you mean by Harry not coming home?
3: That's exactly what I mean.
4: That Harry's dead?
3: Dead. With you out in front now in the grab for Blue Mama.
4: You hitting around and maybe I killed Harry?
3: I'm asking you, uh... Would you kill Harry Jarvis?
4: No, Ann no, all man. Then
3: finger somebody for me. Somebody who would kill Harry.
4: Hey, you were supposing before, now you're not.
3: I've given up supposing. Come, Bernie, help the law and you help yourself. Well, oh, man, if Harry is dead,
4: there's only one man I know Who, who is this man? The sport in a silk suit. Tony Saxon? The man, Tony Saxon. Why would Saxon want to kill Harry Jarvis? Money, Sam. Harry was into Tony Saxon for money. Gambling debts? Tony Saxon is a gambler. Where do I find Saxon in this town? Three acres. That's a fieldstone house on Chestnut and Raleigh. And Harry is dead, huh? That's my morbid surmise. Say all right for me to go comfort the widow?
3: I'd say it's more decent to wait until the corpse confirms that fact.
4: You know I'm glad I had this talk with you, Sam?
3: No more feeling low down, Jolly Belly's a dress, Oh, huh?
4: no, I'm high in the stars, Sam, on a happiness jag. You sure go for Kiki. Oh, she's under my skin, Sam, under my quiverine skin. Blue Mama Bigelow Bernie's blowing a high note tonight. I
3: left Bigelow Bernie swinging in the trees and went to look up Tony Saxon. A fieldstone high... The house lit up like the people inside it were afraid of the dark. Every room inside, and floodlights outside on the big lawn. To get in, you had to pass through a fence, what looked like an electric fence, to keep prowlers and police at bay. I looked for a buzzer, but couldn't find one for the life of me. While wondering how to get in, somebody solved the riddle for me. how-do-you-do-from-behind that closed-my-eyes. I came too, with something rattling in my ears. The rattling of bone like teeth. When I got my eyes open enough, I saw what it was. Chips. Ivory gambling chips on a green dice table. I was stretched out on the dice table. He's up six and thirty-two. You win, Morty. Pick up your money. A sport in a black silk suit. Tony Saxon. Uh... What's this six and thirty two, mister? The time it took you to come to. We made a bet on it here. Me and Morty and Fatso. A bet on how long I'd be out? I said ten minutes, Fatso there said eight. Morty's bet was six minutes. You were out six minutes and thirty two seconds on my stopwatch, Morty's bet. Morty there owes me a cut for cooperating. Huh. Beat it, boys. But not too far. A beat it just far enough to be able to keep me covered, fellows. We don't shoot fish in barrels, Craig. Then give me a running start if you really want to be sportsmanlike. You got death on the brain, Craig. Craig. You keep calling me Craig. Your name. You know. Your wallet says, so does your police license. Did you restore everything back to my pockets in good order? Everything except your gun. You get that on your way out. Irene in the main foyer. She has your hat and your gun. So tell me. Uh, one of the boys, Fatso, there saw you prowling outside. He figured you were a lonesome stick-up case in three acres. He tapped you. My head doesn't just feel tapped. What happened to all the lights? Lights? The place was all lit up six and thirty-two ago. We turned them off. What happened to all the players? You're pretty smart. Smart enough to know you had a few games going here. Fatso didn't figure me a stick-up. He figured me a cop spelling a raid. You me out until you shooed your guest's home. I won't admit it or deny it. What can I do for you? Hand over the corpse of Harry Jarvis. Harry Jarvis is dead. I'll make book. Dead, but no corpse. Not yet. That's bad news, if true. You lost a friend? A debtor. Harry owes me $20,000. His paper. Maybe you owe his estate $10,000. How's that? The last Harry was seen, he had $30,000 on him. Good night, Craig. Morty, show Craig out. Hold up here behind an electric fence uh, after being thrown out of as many states as I can name. uh, Who do you pay protection to, Saxon? Grandma Jones. Grandma Jones? My landlady. I rent three acres from her. Good night, Craig. Find Harry, let me know. A client of mine dies. I like to wire flowers. Outside Saxon's Fortress Wall, I found fresh company. A chap parked in my car, sprawled on the rear seat. He looked dead until he spoke. Don't
5: you be alarmed, friend.
3: You better be alarmed. I'm pointing a gun at you.
5: Well, put it away. My name's Frawley. Bill Frawley. I'm the law here in Northgate. That is all the law they got this side of the Kansas City. Why don't you put the gun away?
3: When I see the badge.
5: Hmm. Here it is. See, I was by a spruce across the street a while before when that Saxton croupier came down on your head. You just watched the show? For now, I'm the law, but I'm peacefully inclined when it comes to Saxton again. He's the kind of commissioner's problem, and I got my complaint about Saxton up with the Commissioner Hawkins right now. Besides, I was standing under that spruce with other things claiming my thoughts.
3: What other things?
5: Harry Jarvis, is he dead? What's your answer to it? Dead. Same conclusion you came to, Frank. How do you know? Well, see, I was talking to Bigelow Bernie after you talked to him.
3: Oh, I see.
5: <laughs> I got something down at the jailhouse now that kind of proves Harry Jar's dead. You have to come see? I do. It's the start of her? <laughs>
3: Northgate Jailhouse was a clapboard-framed shack a march wind could blow off its foundation. It had an office and a cell that could accommodate two overnight guests. At the moment, the room was a single. One prisoner, fast asleep on a cot. He's what I
5: brought you to see, Craig. The prisoner? Him. Looks like a hobo. Well, that's the trade he claims. Says so his name's Dusty Ames. What does he do besides sleep? He loves to cuss you out. He hadn't ate now for three days, turned down chicken yesterday and today. How come? Hunger strike. He wants his constitutional rights. Those being? Freedom. Freedom. Put him back on the road, he said. Three days, you said. Uh, What do you do here in Northgate? Throw away the keys? Well, I'm waiting for the wagon to come take him to the Kansas City now. He'll get his hearing there. How does he connect with Harry Jarvis? I see the clothes on? Yeah. The striped and blue suit? Hm.
0: Those
5: yellow shoes? Oh, well, who can miss them? I know the suit and yellow shoes like they're my own. Harry's clothes. This Dusty Ames was wearing Harry Jarvis's clothes when I picked him up over in Route 9.
4: When
3: Dusty Ames came awake, he began to howl. I want my
4: rights.
3: I'm a Federalist. President McKinley'll hear about this. He does. You have a miracle on your hands. Look, Dusty, if you've got any wits, collect them. Wits? Why, sir, I was professor of cosmological dialectics in katydid College. But the road got into your blood, huh? The call of the wild mackinaw. So you turned in your cap and gown. You took to the open highway. And killed a man here in Northgate. That's a lie. You're in his clothes? I found those clothes, sir. We've been asking you where. I wouldn't tell the sheriff. Why should I tell you? Because when it comes down to it, I'm going to beat it out of you. Civilized man always reverts to the beast. Your predecessor in those clothes was a dear friend of mine, Dusty. A dear friend? A man's greatest possession in a cold, materialistic world. Sir, I have a poem right here in my
4: pocket. After the fashion of Edgar Guest. Ah. I'll read it. No matter where the road may go, I'll always
2: think
3: of dear friend Joe. The bullfinch of the open road finally showed us where he'd found himself a new wardrobe. A tree hollow in the piney woods. The clothes were right in there, sir. Wrapped in tar paper set to burn. See the cinders? Yeah, I see them. Hmm. I had a time brushing suit off the bundle. Clothes smelled of smoke when I put them on. Some clothes had been burned. I find bits of charred fabric. And these, Sheriff? And shirt buttons. Yeah, some mm-hmm. clothes had burned and something stifled the fire. Wind, maybe? Or the fire simply choked. Too much stuff on it, smothering it. How did you come on it, Dusty? I had my repast to tend to. Caught me a stray chicken. Fat little thing, six pounds. Looked around for a tree hollow to cook my supper. When you changed into the new clothes, what did you do with your own rags? Hung them to a tree. What for? As a sign that Dusty Ames had come through. A sign that there were stray chickens
5: in these parts. A sign for other hobos? Live and let live. Craig. Sure? Harry Jarvis is buried here in Piney Forest. Yeah, looks like... How big is Piney Forest? Bigger than Northgate Township. Close to 400 acres.
3: Meaning we'd need a regiment to unearth the body here.
5: It needs more manpower than Northgate's got. We could appeal to the state governor for National Guard.
3: No. We may not need to.
5: Not need to turn up the body, Harry Jarvis?
3: A time and labor and agony. We might be able to avoid all that. How's that? See if we can get the murderer to find the body for us.
5: Now, that'd be a trick.
3: Trick is exactly what I have in mind.
5: Yeah. We'll try to
3: make a trick do for manpower, Sheriff. I briefed Sheriff Frawley on what I wanted him to do. Time to let the word get out that we got ourselves an eyewitness. That your hobo prisoner let Arneet uh, seen the actual murder and burial in Piney Forest.
5: Now, who do I let the word out to?
3: Town elder and the town idiot, just so the news percolates. Just so it reaches uh, Kiki Adams, Tony Saxon, and that bop musician.
5: Big Lou Bernie. I know what. What? i step into that downbeat club and have some beers. Now, ain't nothing like a bar room for loosening the man's tongue. Yeah, you do that. Now, when the word does percolate, uh, I still ain't exactly
3: clear. Our phony eyewitness right off becomes a mock man. The killer, whoever he is, must pull a repeat performance.
5: Kill Dusty Ames. Yes, yes. Oh, the wool around your brain. Well, I still don't see. Dusty Ames is safe in the jailhouse.
3: Safe? (laughs) A nine-year-old boy can get into your jailhouse, Sheriff. Just provide him with a dime can opener. Besides, you won't make it tough for the killer to get in. I won't? No. Front door unlatched. Just the cell door closed. With Dusty Ames, a sitting duck in a cage. Easiest target in the world, a dream pigeon. Now get on it, Sheriff. Sometimes it plays exactly according to script. Sometimes it doesn't. This time it did. I could hear the village chimes when the silhouette appeared at the jail window. Head and shoulders and face with no identity to it the pitch dark. I was in the office under the desk... A neat hunk of gymnastics considering my size. It was more than two minutes before the killer dared to try the door. His feet were six inches from my nose when he stopped dead center in the office. I had to imagine the rest. My line of vision was too low now. I imagined him estimating the sleeping figure of Dusty Ames, Estimating how to make his shots effective. I didn't wait for the murder of the hobo. I just took aim at a 45-degree angle from the floor and shot my pigeon in the leg.
4: Oh,
3: That's your killer. It's time for rejoicing. But I didn't feel that way this time. I only felt like getting drunk. It kept me like a fox playing games with a rabbit. How's your leg, Moe? On fire. If I didn't you aim higher... Moe... Why did you ask me to find
4: Harry? I asked you to find Harry to demonstrate to me how safe I was. I decided to make a test with you, a smart New York detective. If you couldn't catch me, nobody could. I could stop worrying. Well, you gave me a demonstration.
3: You killed Harry for $30,000. You've got it stashed away. I killed Harry
4: because I was too old to start over again. We made a life together, and Harry was condemning me to death.
3: Bankruptcy isn't death, Moe.
4: At my age, it is.
3: And my condition, it
4: positively is. Your condition? Heart, liver, kidneys. <laughs> Inside, I'm like a bombed-out Berlin. It was
3: no time for me to start all over being young and ambitious. Mo. My thought is you're a little off. No, my thing. Say I'm one out in the world, that's all. just say that at 53, I, Moe got so confused, I fired a gun at Harry Jarvis.
0: I want to know where you buried him, Mo. Sure. You want to know,
4: and I'll tell you. Right now, I'm... I think.
3: Sometimes you take no pleasure in the catch. Sometimes all you want to do is get drunk.
2: You have been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, The Sneak Assassin, was written by John Robert. Next week, it's the strange story of Sweet Goddess of Murder, about which Barry Craig has this to say. The next week's story, Sweet Goddess of Murder, the fur flies thick and homicidally. When a lovesick furrier designs a dream jacket for his ever-hating wife. A straight jacket, that would be. The National Broadcasting Company has just brought you an NBC Radio Network production with William Gargan, starring as Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. Directed by Arthur Jacobson. Also heard were Polly Bear, Herb Ellis, Betty Lou Gerson, Marvin Miller, and Joe Cranston. Eddie King speaking. Follow the Abbots in another exciting mystery tonight on most NBC radio stations.
1: Welcome back. Well, a kind of interesting way to get peace of mind by putting one of uh, New York City's most determined uh, man hunters on your trail. Um, because yeah, Barry Craig's not what type of a uh, detective to say. Ah, oh, you know what? I give. I can't solve this. So, uh, of course, you could argue from a psychological point that the reason he was um, that he put Craig on the case was because on some psych- deep psychological level, uh, he wanted to be caught, and that really what was dogging him was his own uh, guilt more than fear of being caught. Uh, well, uh, it's a, one thing to note here, you heard the ad for the Abbots, and those who've been listening to the show for a couple of years will remember we did the Abbots, um, back in, uh, first part of 2010. Um, and at this point, uh, it's worth noting that detect, uh, you know, when we're listening to this, this which is, this is from November the 21st of 1954, uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on uh, in terms of the traditional, uh, detective cr- shows, you had Barry Craig and you had the Abbots, uh, and, uh, over on Mutual, you still had Nick Carter running, uh, through the 54-55 season. Uh, Johnny, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, had left the air in September of 54. You did have some additional, uh, police shows. You, of course, had Dragnet, uh, and you had, uh, Uh, 21st Precinct, and Gangbusters, uh, as well as the FBI in uh, Peace and War. Uh, But uh, you'd just seen a lot of the um, old-style detective shows uh, uh, seemingly uh, dry up. So this was a a pretty rare recording. It was nice to hear them both uh, mention. And I mentioned one episode of the Abbots where the theme to Barry Craig was actually uh, used as like a background music that uh, was being listened to. All right, well, we do have some listener comments, uh, and we'll go ahead and get started with uh, Tim, who says, I-, I just listened to Barry Craig, Midsummer Madness on the Way. Uh, into work this morning it seems that it's missing a bit at the wedding Barry says stop the wedding there's a few seconds of dead air then Barry and the blonde are doing the wrap up it seems to me there should have been more dialogue at the wedding to tell what Barry said to the preacher to have him stop the ceremony Barry didn't have any hard evidence of wrongdoing that I could see that would have ended the ceremony I think that we have a case of lost time there uh, what are your thoughts uh, uh, as always keep up the super work well thank you so much um, you know, I don't think there's anything missing here. This one case, uh, and it's been a few weeks, but I, I recall it dealt with uh, a bit of uh, amnesia by the guy getting married. Um, you can say, uh, uh, you can request that the ceremony be stopped, you know, at that point. Um, uh, and you know, if, if what he was going to reveal was going to make the, uh gentleman in question decided he didn't want to go ahead with the ceremony. Then uh, you know the preacher couldn't go uh, ahead with the ceremony without the uh, consent uh, of one of the participants. So I doubt that Barry had any um, any anything that would stop the marriage from occurring as far as the preacher was concerned. Uh, however, he might as far as the groom was concerned. And, and really, I don't think. There was any chunk of audio missing of any significance. Uh, the previous week's show was, uh, the recording that was based off was twenty nine oh three twenty nine 29 minutes, 3 seconds. This one was 28 minutes and 54 seconds. Um, so I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's any case of missing time. Uh, I think it's more a case of writing. Uh, Barry Craig's adventures are often very full. You know, I, I think that the writers, uh, they were very good and talented folks. They could have probably done with an hour show, Uh and that may be an episode where they could have squeezed a bit more drama and uh interest in, but because of the half-hour limits, they had to decide to cut uh something off from the show. And that may have been a very unfortunate cut, but yeah, I think that was pretty much all it was. Finally, we do have an email from Tommy Tidwell, who writes, I appreciate your episodes, your efforts at Great Detectives at Dragnet. I listened to your Dragnet podcast when you started Great Detectives. I was one of the first to get downloads via iTunes. A few quick comments. I appreciate your passion and consistency in doing the show. It rubs off on me. And again, I appreciate what you do. As a personal preference, I like Barry Craig. The latest episode was one of the funniest I've ever listened to. Loved it. I've never liked Let George Do It because there are too many twists at the end of the show and Bob Bailey's use of Angel gets on my nerve. I guess that's one point for his uh, Johnny Dollar uh, performance over uh, Let George Do It. He said, I like the Basil Rathbone and Tom Conway Sherlock Holmes, but I've not been a fan of the latest one. And I continue to be amazed how in every episode as of late, someone is telling someone else to go to blazes. I guess... Uh, that was the euphemistic way of saying the other, but I'll continue to listen to all the shows. Thanks again for all you do. Well, thank you so much for your comments uh, from Tommy Tidwell in Georgia. Um, I think that uh, with uh, Sherlock Holmes right now, the writers, for uh, for whatever reason, we're going with almost a sort of grumpy. Uh, Grumpy, uh, Holmes Watson duo. I, I don't know if it you know, works particularly well, uh, but that's what they've gone through. And some listeners, uh, if said, you know, we actually sympathize with it. It'd be very difficult living with a guy who was, uh, seemingly always right and, uh, just this super genius smarty pants. So there you go. All right. Well, Tommy, thanks so much for your comments and that will do it for today. We will be back. Next week with another episode of Barry Craig, and join us tomorrow for an episode of Poirot. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box 13 at GreatDetectives.net, give us a call two zero eight nine nine one four seven eight three, 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.